I'm Colby Spencer, and this is Vantropolis. This is Vantropolis, a podcast about the happenings, the goings-on, and the general day-to-day life and antics of the underslept masses working in Vancouver's film industry. I'm no expert. I'm just nosy. And if you are too, let's do this. All right. Do you ever meet someone who is so passionate and at one with a calling or purpose that you can't quite discern where they as a person end and their calling begins? For Roberta Senadizi, that calling is water. Born and raised in Vancouver and surrounded by water, Roberta started as a scuba diver and then as a dive master where she discovered freediving and pursued it both competitively and recreationally. On the film side of things, she racked up over 20 years experience as a production coordinator, but soon found herself leaping out of the production office and into the water tanks on set, where she works as an underwater stunt performer and water training and safety diver. Roberta works alongside stunt coordinators and stunt performers to guide technical water shots on set. She also trains actors to safely extend their breath hold for work in front of the camera, with safety always being paramount. Unsurprisingly, Roberta's qualifications and experience are as expansive as they are impressive. She's worked on shows such as Altered Carbon, the TV series Siren, and most recently, The Haunting of Bly Manor, which I'm still too afraid to watch. This episode in particular really felt like an ethereal and almost spiritual look at someone's journey and experience in the film industry. And I'm so excited to share it with you. Here's Roberta. Roberta, hi. Hi, thanks for having me. Welcome to Vantropolis on a long weekend. Thank you for giving up part of your holiday Monday. No problem. It's great. Were you out in the water this weekend at all? Yep, every day. <laughs> of course you were. You're like a fish. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Saturday and Sunday I was teaching free diving, so I was out uh, with a bunch of students. And today I'm just getting water temperatures dropping enough that I can get back into cold water uh, training. So I was just out doing an, an hour swim in my bathing suit. And uh, yeah, so I spent the weekend in the water. In your bathing suit in October in the Pacific Ocean. We'll get into Actually, all of that. I, I, yeah, I was at Bunsen Lake for the cold water. I'm looking for the coldest water. And Of course you are. Before. Of yeah. course <laughs> you're looking for the coldest water. So we'll get into all that. I'm super psyched to have you here. Uh, Roberta's obviously, you know, uh, an oceanoid. Tell me about that word. Is that a word that exists or did you make that up? Which I love the word, by the way. Yeah, I made it up. I mean, when I started thinking about putting together a company to teach freediving, and I didn't want it to be just freediving. I mean, because I've always just gone to the ocean for recreation and for health benefits and for a mental health break. It's just always been like my place. Um, So I was like trying to appeal to other people that saw themselves more as oceanoids rather than humanoids or that wanted to explore that part of themselves. Yeah, because it is kind of like a character trait, right? And we'll get into that, sort of the personality of that. And and also, I'm really curious, you know, which we can talk about is, is your comfort in water compared to land? And then obviously set, you know, the, those worlds are so different. So I'm, I'm excited mm-hmm. to kind of get into that. So why don't, why don't you start kind of how, you know, your journey into this? So you were born and raised in Vancouver. I'd love to hear just sort of how you, your interest got peaked in, in water and ocean and all of that aqua stuff. 
yeah, I was born and raised in Vancouver, and um, I always was attracted to endurance sports. I was a distance runner when I was younger and um, up through university, um, but not really the water until I took a scuba class and I started scuba diving, and I really liked it. I, I enjoyed it a lot, and I ended up working uh, in the tropics as a dive master uh, on dive boats, leading tourists, but I found myself really happiest when I was home in Vancouver and uh, BC and just in cold water and doing cold water diving. So I did that for a long time. Um, And then I started free diving sort of naturally from that, not really knowing what I was doing at all. Yeah. Just, uh, it actually started in Puerto Rico when I was working at a dive shop. At the end of the day, after lugging tourists or um, clients tanks back and forth all day. I wanted to get in the water. I wanted to explore it, but I just didn't want to haul another tank out. So I just started what I thought was snorkeling, right. playing around with it. Yeah. And then um, I came back to Vancouver and started to think about it seriously, took a course, started training and really, really, really found I loved it. And I have only worn a scuba tank after that for work. Um, you know, rarely. Like necessity. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit just about, just, I'm just curious about tropical water versus cold water, because, you know, you would assume that it would be much more joyful being in those warm tropical waters. You know, the, the fish and, and kind of sea life would be more bright and colorful or varied, but that's really not the case, right? In terms of there's mm-hmm. lots on our coast. There is a lot on our coast, yes. And in terms of bright and varied, not at all. You, you know, you just need light to see it. There's, there's a, we have amazing sea life here. Yeah. And the marine mammals and, it, like, you can go out and, especially Vancouver Island, it's one of the top places in the world to dive. I mean, tropical diving is great. I like it. I just tend to like cold water. Right. Um, myself. I just like what, I mean, it's where I live. And I, I really believe people that, should dive where they live. They should explore what's under the surface here, which is something that I learned from Paul Nicklin and Christina Mittermeier. Just like... Oh, they're amazing. Yeah, part of their journey is just trying to get people to look under the surface. And it it really, like, rang true for me because it's what I've always believed. It's like we live here. The ocean is so accessible to us. And there's relatively few people that take advantage of that. And I never understood it. Although it has been booming I'd say in the last decade and in both uh, free diving and uh, open water swimming, there's always been a pretty consistent scuba community in Vancouver just because, yeah, in Vancouver Island, just because it is amazing diving. I know. I'm too, I'm too afraid to go down in there. It's funny. There's like a, there's a bit more of a fear, I would say for, for colder, darker water, you know, and and Mm -hmm. it's just, I don't know if it's like a human thing or, you know, like an instinct thing. Yeah, a lot of people are really hesitant when they first start here. And then as soon as they go underwater, it's actually not as dark as you think. Yeah, it's not blue. It's green. Mm-hmm. And um, it can be dark at times when, the, you know, the freight, when it's raining a lot and the Fraser River is just dumping a lot of sediment into our water, into how Sound. So we lose some visibility. But generally, it's quite bright down there. And it's just beautiful. I know you're so passionate. I almost considered thinking about it, reading all of the stuff from you because I'm terrified to go into the water. Um, you almost converted me. You're such an evangelist, which is amazing. <laughs> so how did you end up doing that to sitting your butt in a film production office doing production coordinator work? And let's just tell everybody kind of what that is. 
Oh, gosh. Production <laughs> coordinating is basically, um, wow, it's a lot. It's so much more than people get credit for. It's, yes. it's a really, really tough job. It's basically taking care of the needs of almost every other department on a film set in terms of, you know, purchasing and, you know, distribution and you help, uh, you know, renting equipment, making sure that people are aware of what's happening the next day. It's, it's just, it's a lot. It's yeah. coordinating basically what's happening on a film set. So I actually, right out of university, started working for IATSE 669, which is the cameraman's union. And I did that for about three years. Um, and then from there, I was asked by someone I know to come and work in the production office. And I just started doing it. And it actually suited my purposes really, really well, because it is probably the one department, well, you know, accounting, production office, some of the uh, mm-hmm. production office jobs that, that has a schedule somewhat. I mean, it does change and you are there late, but you can kind of have a life outside of yeah, it. Yeah, so, a bit more of an office kind of environment. You're not on set, just to be clear to people. As a production coordinator, you're in, you're in an office set situation. Yeah, you're in an office setting. So for me, it was great because as I started to become competitive, as I started like competing in freediving, as I started like, uh, you know, doing open water swim races, it was easy for me to schedule my training. So it kind of worked for me. What a difference in physicality of sitting all day at a desk and then being Mm -hmm. in deep, cold water and using your body. Um, I wonder, like, did those two pieces start to, well, clearly did as you evolved in your career, Mm -hmm. but those two pieces started probably conflicting a bit, you know, from your happy place. Oh, absolutely for me. I mean, sitting is just so bad for you. It's just so unhealthy. and. It's tough in the film industry because you're sitting on rented equipment. You're not sitting on like good ergonomic, you know, desks or chairs or anything like that. It's sort of whatever's cobbled together. You're just, you're not in a really healthy environment that way. It's true. You're right. They're like 80s old office buildings. It's almost like a fake business. And then everything folds when the show's over and they're gone. Right? Like, yeah, it's, it's, so, it's the oddest place if you've ever gone to, like, I've picked up my husband's check or whatever, but I'm like, yeah. this looks like a front. <laughs> I know. So it's like the chairs and the desks that you're, that you're using are just not, like, you know, they're decades behind in terms of what's healthy for your body. And you're tied to your desk. You've yeah. got that phone and you're just like, you know, we don't get up and go out for lunch. We most often eat at our desks. Sometimes food is brought in, literally served to you at your desk. So you're just like, it's like a ball and chain. Yeah. So for me, it reached a point where I just, I just couldn't do that anymore. And when I retired from competition, when I decided I didn't want to do any of this competitively anymore, I just ended up leaving production coordinating, thinking that I was leaving the film industry, actually. They never let you out, Roberta. <laughs> <laughs> you, you competed, I saw, in Egypt. Like, what was that like competing compared to, you know, doing it recreationally? Obviously, it's way higher stakes. Uh, it's, it, it just was where I was in my head at that time. Yeah. It, it, you know, freediving is not a team sport in any way. It is an intensely personal journey. Right. It's very inward. It's um, very mental. Um, and I loved it. I loved competing. Just it, it was just really fun. I mean, I organize competitions now and I train athletes to compete. And I still think it's like an amazing um, opportunity for personal growth. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's really like martial great. arts in the water almost, right? Yeah. Like you're against yourself, really, no one else. Totally. Yeah, like we, you can compete in a team or in a group, but really you're competing against yourself. You can only hold your breath, um, you know, where you're at. And it's kind of ridiculous to think about competing with someone else uh, in free diving. It's just a very individual sport. And swimming is too. And I, I you know, open water swimming and, and it's just, it is an individual sport. So how did you go from, you know, doing this production coordinator role? What was the sort of gateway out of that into being on set and doing more of that set work, which we're going to get into? Well, when I decided to leave film, I, we sold our house, my husband and I, and we went traveling for a year. Nice. Because I was like, I need a total break from my old life. Yeah. I mean, everything I'd been doing professionally in, in terms of earning an income and also what I'd been doing um, athletically. I dropped all at once. And so it was like, okay, I want to give myself a year to figure it out. And he was going through a transitional period with his career as well. So it worked out perfectly. So we sold the house and we went traveling for a year. Which can do so much, can it? It's not just traveling mm -hmm. often, right? It's, It's like a clean slate. Exactly. We didn't know if we were going to come back to Vancouver. We didn't know what we were going to do. He's American. Uh, I'm, a, I'm Canadian, but I also have uh, an EU passport. So the world was kind of open to us. Right. Um, but then one day we kind of woke up and looked at each other and said, we want to go back. And for me, I mean, part of that trip was diving in a lot of different oceans. I mean, just free diving every day. And yes. for me, it was just like this yearning for the water here, the green water, the cold water. I just... I just missed it. I wanted it. So, and for him too, I think. So we were drawn back to Vancouver, which was really inter- interesting. I didn't think that would happen. So we came back and uh, yeah, I had to think about a new career, what I was going to do to earn an income. And mm-hmm. I, I hadn't quite, he had really come to a very solid decision while we were traveling about what he wanted to do. And, and it was great. And I was really happy for him, but I just really hadn't. So I thought, well, you know, my biggest challenge when I was competing and training was that I didn't have the support system here, like enough people to train with, enough people to coach me. Like it was just, it was hard. It was a really fringe sport. So I thought, well, why don't I just teach freediving and start building a community that is, you know, like a really good base for people that do want to eventually compete and start holding competitions. So there's people, there's places where people can hone their skills instead of having to pay like, you know, 10 grand to go to a competition overseas, right. which was what I had to do. So yeah, it was just supposed to be a fun thing. I just well, it's interesting, te- right? It just, t- sometimes it's just one step. Like it's good uh-huh. you say that because, you know, people come back or they go away and they work overseas and, Sometimes I think you expect it to be this huge light bulb moment of like this massive pivot in your life. And, you know, I think we all find sometimes it, that never comes. You just have one little step that leads to another little step that suddenly you're, you know, you're on a mm-hmm. podcast about your entire amazing career. <laughs> right? Like, yeah, it was, yeah, it was really interesting actually. Like, I still, and every time I'm on set, I kind of pinch myself and go, like, I don't, I don't know how. I got here. I guess I, I've always been a water person. So put me in water and I just, I'm, I'm comfortable in it. Nothing, nothing makes me uncomfortable about being in the water, swimming at night. I've just, I've just spent years in the water. So, but I never really thought of that as, as a skill. Mm-hmm. It was just the experience I've gained. And for me, having learned a sport like freediving, which is really like a sport where you're 
you're learning skills, you're learning technical skills for sure, but you're also like just watching your body adapt to do something that you didn't think was possible. And that was a really cool experience for me. And that's what really opened me up to cold water swimming as well. And so all of those like experiences of just going, wow, my body can just, you stress it a bit and it will learn how to adapt to this. And people say that it's not possible to swim, you know, for this long in cold water. And, you know, it is, or yeah. to hold your breath that long or to go that deep. And it is, it is possible. So I, I didn't really realize I was building skills that would be usable. It was just something that was intriguing to me. It's funny, so much of it is your mind. And I know you'd mentioned yeah. that in previous podcasts. You know, it's a mind game many times. And we'll get into that when you're, you know, training uh, in film and, and how you kind of have to take people through that, right? So much mm-hmm. of it is your mind and not the actual physical thing that you're executing. So what was your, uh, yeah. what, what was your first sort of day on set as in this new role? Was it, was it obvious to you or was it a subtle, you know, it started small as an ask? Uh, yeah, it was an ask from like one of my best friends, actually, she, Braden Haggerty, yes. um, who is an underwater camera person and coordinator. And she, oh gosh, she called me to work on Power Rangers. Yes. So she called me and said, hey, look, we're doing a bunch of tank work uh, for Power Rangers. And I just think a lot of it's not going to really work on scuba. Right. Would you be interested in coming out and working with us? And I said, sure. Like, yeah, no problem. Like, being comfortable around film and knowing. True, yeah. Yeah, like it wasn't something that, you know, there wasn't that obstacle for me. I was like, yeah, Had you sure. been on set before, like quite a bit or mostly in the office? Um, I, I've worked on set a little bit when I started as a PA, but more than that, I mean, as a coordinator, I was always back and forth to set. Yeah, and so you got a I, sense I, like of the was, cadence and the rhythm. Yeah, it wasn't something that was uncomfortable for me. Um, so I said, sure, I'll give it a go. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll share the information I have. Mm-hmm. And we ended up shooting all the underwater on breath hold on that. And there was like quite a bit, actually. Yeah, I saw the so, scene. I Googled it. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And it was all done on breath hold. So that really, we had a lot of positive feedback from that. Like Braden particularly came to me and said, like, a lot of those shots worked for me because they were on breath hold. And, you know, some other people involved with the production. And I got introduced to all the people that, you know, work in the tank, like the wonderful, like, commercial scuba divers that do safety in the tank and, like, the underwater grip and lighting and, like, all the great people and um, that do the tank work. And I just, it was just really fun and it made sense. But more than anything, for me, it was just, like, I just thought, like, there's so many people that, that are frightened of the water. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, working with stunt performers is one thing because they just will do anything. Like, they have this, you know, <laughs> they've miss, got that miss, gene. Yeah, they've got a missing gene. <laughs> they do, with, actually, I've read. It's, it's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's an extra, or we, the people that are afraid have the, have the gene. Yeah, yeah, the risk exactly. Gene, right? Yeah, yeah. And they, have, so, they don't have it. And they'll just do it, but... Working with actors, there's a lot of people that, and we did have like one person that was really, he just was not comfortable in the water on that. So it's like getting the opportunity to work with them a, a little bit beforehand and just sort of get them a little bit more comfortable. It was really, it, it was a really, really satisfying part of that job for me. Yes. And I think it, it uh, you know, it helped Braden and helped everybody. So 
Yeah, that's how it started. You were groundbreaking a bit too, right? Because you do mention scuba and tanks. And I have so many questions about the tanks, like where they are and all that stuff. But like to yeah, you're right. Like cinema you know, cinema wise, you don't want all those bubbles. You know, the the less you can have of that, the more uh, you know, emotion you can see on faces of actors, right? It's a calmer environment. Um, you know, yeah, I mean, absolutely. There are times when we we totally need the tanks. Like, there's just certain things, like you know, shooting you know someone in a car underwater. You need right. to have a tank. Like, you can't do that on breath hold, and if you can't get them in and out quickly and without, an, you know, yeah. So, th- I think that it's just another tool in the tool belt that maybe was missing. Is yeah. the way that I li- I like to think of it. And where are, where are these tanks? Like, are they always on set, the set itself, or are they somewhere special? Well, film pools generally, you know, John Stevenson owns this company called Film Pools, and they ah. will build them anywhere. Ah, so look at that. There's anywhere. Like a, there's like a tank builder, like a film oh, he, pool yeah. builder. Who he, knew? He, build, he builds tanks across Canada and in, and in the U.S., all over the place. Like, wow. It, it's amazing. These massive tanks, and he can put them up pretty much anywhere. So sometimes they're in a stage, sometimes they're outside, just depending on what you want, what, what they need. And he can just make it happen. So, Unbelievable. And then the yeah. water, is it just like, like hose water? And does it have to be a certain temperature or some sort of alkalinity? Well, yeah. Or? Mm-hmm. yeah, he chlorinates it. We have to. Like you know, a pool. To sure. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's like pool water. And he heats it to be quite warm because, you know, often the, you know, the yeah. actors are in there. And they're there for hours and hours and hours. And, you know, they're not necessarily swimming or sometimes they're just sitting or, you know, drowning, sinking, whatever. Yeah. The the shot is, so they'll get cold. So, yeah, they're heated to be quite warm. And you're obviously training prior to that, right? So, like, take me through if there's, you know, if you're, you're, you know, maybe on Power Rangers, for example, which I think was like 2016 from looking back at at the Mm -hmm. IMDb. Like, are you, when you're being pulled in for something like that, and maybe it wasn't that way in the beginning, are you being able to kind of call the shots and the way you want to train off camera prior to going to set and shooting it, right? Yeah, the training is, you know, I, I definitely, you know, I meet somebody and I start like pretty basically with dry work because I don't want to put them in water right away. Right. And that gives me an idea of how I'm going to work with them in the water. Right. Um, and it also like gives me an idea that I can talk to, you know, the stunt coordinator and just say like, I think with training this person will get there and we'll be able to do this. And, or I think this person is not going to be able to do this part of it. Right. And then you would use like stunt performers, you're saying. Yeah, well, the stunt coordinator at that point makes a decision right. about what, you know, how he's going to approach that. But yeah, like, I mean, it just gives me an idea of what is possible. And so I work with them dry a little bit and just do some dry breathing with them, some dry breath holds, just some meditation work. And then sort of we go therapy. Into- it's, it's therapy as well. You know, they're kind of in your hands. They're kind of putty. Well, it's, it's like meditation. It's like meditation, more than anything. Right. So it, it's empowering them rather than looking at it like, oh, it's this like huge thing that I'm going to have to do. Yeah. It's like, no, wait, you're in control of this. Yes. You're in control. This is not about us saying you got to go down and hold your breath for three minutes. That's not the way this works. You're right. So just once they start learning it, they understand how much control they have, really. And we've been super lucky, lucky because people understand, you know, you've got these actors that are doing incredible, incredible things and stunt performers because, you know, we're all wearing masks. (laughs) We're all wearing fins. They're in like 
clothes, no masks, no fins, you know, and they're, they're trying to act like they can see when they can't and they're holding their breath. So right. um, I think a lot of it is also just trying to make sure that everybody understands how difficult it is because they make it look so easy. When you're looking at it on a monitor and their eyes are open, it looks like they can see, mm-hmm. but they can't, you know? Yeah, there's definitely that like dichotomy of that pressure of time on set, which is so huge in film. Time is money, every mm-hmm. minute counts. But mm-hmm. then you needing to protect and insulate those actors a bit and that talent, mm-hmm. you know, to make sure that they're feeling empowered and 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 held kind of, you know, figuratively within that mm-hmm. scene, right? Because those two can clash, you know, on a, on a stressful set. Yeah, I mean, my job ultimately is first and foremost safety. So, I mean, ultimately that's what it's all about. Like, and I have had to swim into a shot. Yeah, because I just didn't think it was safe. Like, and, right. So, I mean, that's a stressful thing to have to do or to say no. Yeah. Which I've had to do. No, this isn't going to work. But, you know, ultimately that's my job. Yeah. And, and it's different too than like someone having an opinion about props, you know, on a set versus like you have a specialization that a lot of people don't really know. You know, they don't have the expertise. So at the end mm-hmm. of the day, you're the bottom line, right? Yeah. It's really funny actually when you say that because it's like, I am the most klutzy person on land. Like the, I, I always say, like the only thing I know is free diving and cold water swimming. Yeah. Like that's it. Like you're meant for the so, you're meant for the water. Yeah, that's like that's all I know. So when people bring me in, it's like, yeah, I can totally tell you anything you need to know about that. But I, anything else, like yeah, I'm I don't know anything about anything. <laughs> Well, you know a lot about this, though, and that's what I mean is people have to sort of stand down on set and not be like, look, we're behind or we have to move on. It's like, no, no, we have to do what's safe and it, there's a proper order of things and they can't really know how to do it more efficiently, you know? Like, Although people have learned, like when we were on Siren, it always comes back to Siren just because we did three seasons and it was, so much of it was underwater work. Yeah, let's talk about Siren. Like everybody got to know it and our showrunner, Joe Menendez, was like, so smart about how he planned the shots because he just got it, right? He knew what was possible and what wasn't. And our stunt coordinator, Ed Anders, like they just, they, we'd done it for three seasons. So they were, they totally got it. And they're very respectful. Like everyone has been super respectful. That's good to hear. I've never run into someone that says, no, they can't have more time. You know, everyone's been respectful. They understand the the um, just the obstacles everyone's facing when they're working in the water. I mean, I think it can be frustrating because it's slower. It's obviously yes. slower. Yeah. But um, but the shots are so beautiful. They so. really are. It's that ethereal part that you can't really recreate. You know, you can talk about visual effects and that, but it's not the same, is it? Like doing it in post. It's just not yeah. the same. Yeah. I mean, definitely there was a lot of visual effects in Siren and they're getting so much better now and they, they help. But yeah, there's just nothing like underwater. In my opinion. <laughs> yeah, we can't ask you to be objective. <laughs> yeah, I think it's really, really beautiful. And like on Siren, by the end of, like, by the, end of um, the last season, I mean, just because of the way that the show was structured and how they edited it, and to keep the story moving along, you didn't see the long shots. But we were doing shots with like lead cast members that were like a minute 30, a minute 45 long. Wow. And that's like a long time for people to be holding their breath, performing yeah. without a mask, swimming. At, like they, they were moving 
in the tank. And they, they were like a minute 30, minute 45. And everyone on set was just so used to like these long breath holes. But really, it was really impressive what we were able to do. Yeah, it wasn't Simon. a one-off, you know. It was, it was consistent mm-hmm. through the whole narrative of that series. Mm-hmm. And some of those uh, actors ended up becoming like quite good in their own right, correct? Like for, for absolutely, yeah, they were really, really good. We had some really good freedivers by the end of it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you had people a little holding group. their breath. Yeah, we had a gang, and we took <laughs> out like Alex and Aline, who were the leads, out diving in October in Vancouver, and they Whoa. were game. Wow. They were game. We couldn't get Alex out of the water because he was visited with a by a really playful seal, harbor seal. And then there was like a family of otters and he was just like, this is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so, and yeah. and you're, you're just so, you, I, you know, I would say too, you're feeling really safe because to your point, safety is number one. You're known for that. You're, you're a pro, right? So I think yeah. that always helps overcome any obstacles of like, look, I'm going to be safe in this situation. Um, totally, is there, is yeah. there Is there a preference for where any open water stuff is done around the lower mainland for film? Um, well, more, any underwater stuff is done in tanks. Like if we're doing big underwater scenes, we're right. doing it in tanks. We just need the control, right? Yes, the visibility yeah. and stuff. But no, I mean, we've shot stuff at Whitecliff Park, lots of stuff at Bunsen Lake, Sassamat. Okay, um, all over. You know, Belcara. Yeah, no, it just depends on what they want to see in terms of uh, the background. Yeah. And as you said, you obviously work really well with Braden Haggerty, who I'm going to have on as well. I know we wanted to have you together, but I just thought there was way too much to, although it would have been a blast, but then I, I just, you've got so much to say, both of you amazing women on your She's own. She's been, her and I have been scuba diving together since like 1995 or six, something like that. Like we've just wow. been really, really good friends. We met because of film. She was yeah. on set on a show that I was like, I think a second assistant coordinator on or an office PA. And like early on in our careers and we just became friends and started diving together. And um, yeah, so I work really well with her because we have a shorthand. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, which and, is huge. And I have a huge amount of respect for her um, and what she does. And I think she is a super collaborative leader in the water, but also, um, yeah, she doesn't like, she's, She's very collaborative. She respects everybody. She respects everybody's job, but she also does her homework. So when she shows up on set, she's very prepared and she knows what she wants and she's able to, you know, tell us what we need to do. So I, I really enjoy working with her. Yeah, I mean, it's much like, you know, a director would pick a cinematographer, right? That's a partnership and carries through mm-hmm. to all kinds of films. And I would say this is the same, right? You're, there's so many efficiencies with that friendship and camaraderie as well, that mutual trust um, mm-hmm. that you can take to, to any of those shots, right? Um, yeah. So, so talk to me a little bit about that sort of stunt portion of it, right? So, you know, you're a master freedive instructor and you, you obviously are a specialist in this cold water um, and you're doing onset safety, but that's also mm-hmm. considered, right? Are you part of the UBCP? Like, you're Yeah, part- I'm part of UBCP because when I work with CAST, I'm really doing CAST uh, training and right. CAST safety. So yeah, I, I, I work generally under a UBCP contract. That's pretty much what I do. And I've been super lucky to work with some awesome stunt coordinators. I mean... They yeah. do amazing, amazing work. I've learned so much. And stunt performers. I've learned, like, on every job. And so it's really, really, really fun. 
I've done a lot of different, even the haunting of Bly Manor. Which yeah, is let's out talk now. about that. We can't talk about much of it because I know it's very, you know, it's, it's mm-hmm. we don't want to give away any spoilers. No. Um, but I know I found on the internet, Roberta. So it's not, it's not you. It's me that there was like an underwater dream sequence. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you can confirm or deny that you worked on that. But for example, if you did, you know, how are you sort of starting that? Are you working with the stunt coordinator right at the beginning and sort of initiating it that way? Yeah. When you look so at a script? It, the stunt coordinator was Gaston Morrison, which is like incredible because he is, he's just such an amazing stunt coordinator, but also an amazing man. He's just like a kind, lovely, mm-hmm. lovely man, but he's just so, so good at his job. So yeah, I mean, he just came in and said like, look, this is what we want to shoot. Um, yeah. The late, you know, most of the work... Um, the water surface has to be very, very calm. We can't see bubbles. Like, what's possible right. for, you know, you guys? And, you know, I told him what, what we could do, and I thought that it would work with what he wanted. I mean, he's, he's, he's already, he's so ahead of the game. He's already thought it through. I mean, he's very, he's very experienced. He's been around forever doing it. So, so yeah, it was just like a lot of discussions with Gaston, and then he would bring us out, and we helped to set things up so we could look at it and yeah working with the cast which was incredible they were all really great working with the stunt performers he brought in once again all really really great people and just having yeah just breaking it down like shot by shot of what he wanted and it's so interesting because that's supposed to be a terrifying you know there's the haunting of what was the haunting mm-hmm. of Hill House, mm-hmm. season one, which I refuse to watch. I just, I won't. It's so good. Oh, I was addicted. I, I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm too anxious, yeah. Roberta. I'll have a heart attack. Oh, when he called me, I was just like, no way. Because I love the haunting of Hill House. So I was really, really stoked when he called me for the haunting of Bly Manor. And can you yeah. sense a bit of that? Or is it fairly, you know, it's doing a shot. Can you sense that? that fear and that it's you're on like a thriller when you're doing stuff like that? Or is it pretty procedural? Oh my gosh. Well, it's, that that is really high quality. That, yes. That, so it, yes, it was just, it was so creepy the way everything looked. It was Amazing. Really, really cool. It was really cool. That was a really fun show to work on. Yeah. And are, are you able to see the shots yet? Like, do you see them? I guess you see them on set, but you haven't seen that episode yet. I don't know how many are out yet. I, well, I think it's all out. It's on Netflix. So you're just, I don't know if they're all out. Yeah, you can just binge it. I've, I've been watching, but I'm trying to like not binge it all at once because I'm trying to drag it out. So I've, I've only seen the first three episodes. So yeah. You know what? No, only, not- only a professional, you know, free diver with a mind like yours would be able to watch that and, not, and then go to sleep. Right. <laughs> it speaks to your it speaks to your mindscape, right? No. I, I really had a ball working on that. It was it was really fun and it was it was just so well done. Everything was really high quality. Yeah, so, you feel yeah. that, right? And that's you know, mm-hmm. we've talked with other people who work in film. It's not you know, you can talk about like Hollywood celebrities and all that kind of blockbuster stuff. But at the end of the day, who you're working with in terms of crew and professionals is going to beat it every time. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. I think some people don't get that, you know, they think, oh, you're working on a famous movie. But Mm -hmm. if the cast and crew is is not fun to deal with, it's hard, hard work, right? Mm -hmm. You need that to be very, you know, harmonious, right, on set, no matter what it's being done when it's out in the world. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it is hard work. Like, it, it is hard work. Yes, but I think if everybody's stoked about being there and excited, and I mean, I still like, it, I'm really lucky to have the job that I have. I just can't say how lucky I am. I sit there on set and I'm always amazed too, 
at these amazing people I get to work with. I yeah. mean, just looking at like set deck or props or, you know, costumes when people show up on set. And I'm just like, wow, this looks so amazing. And yeah. everyone just pulling together and making this incredible scene. And I'm, for me, working with actors is just, it is a blessing. I'm just... I'm amazed at their work ethic mm-hmm. and how hard they work and, and, you know, what they're managing to pull off. And so in situations that are not always easy, you know, we see a beautiful sunny day, but it could be freezing. They could yeah. be shooting this in January That's right. in a bathing suit, which they often are. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and, you, I, know? and you know, that's not everybody's take on film, right? You know that as well as I do, that it's huge burnout. You can get all kinds of people that are just done, right? But they're too far mm-hmm. into it. They're not going to quit. It's good money, but, you know, it's endless hours, but there's a reason you make the money you do. Um, I guess it's also because I'm not, like, I'm not a full-time crew anymore. I right. think that it does burn you out for sure. Like, I have to, like, people that show in day, day mm-hmm. in, day out, and, you know, it's super hard on them, on their families. I mean, I'm... I'm super lucky right now because it's like we have three days of underwater. Okay. So I'll do like a couple <laughs> days training, three days of underwater, and then I get to rest yeah. and recuperate and do my own training and stuff. So Yeah, and they go for another 10 months, right? Yeah, it's kind of the best of both worlds. I'm, I'm very, very, very lucky. I want to ask you about Altered Carbon. Because mm-hmm. I, I want to talk to you about the opening sequence with the lead. I've been, I've been told there's a story mm-hmm. here, and I would love to hear it. So obviously, Altered Carbon, for those of you who don't know, you know, it's like this American sci-fi sort of dystopian series shot in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. And I remember when it was shot here, it was intense secrecy. Like, mm-hmm. people wouldn't even, if you asked them about it, they would, like, look at you afraid like somebody had bugged the room, you know? Like, nobody wanted to talk about it. Mm-hmm. But you had to do some work with the lead, is that right? Yeah, Joel Kinnerman. And it was, it's, well, it's also really high quality production. Yes. I mean, really beautiful work and he, he, like, huge respect for him. Yeah, I guess I just, I was told to come in and work safety with him. I didn't really have an understanding of what we were going to be doing. He'd already had some um, breath, he's, he's already done some free dive training. Okay. So he was really comfortable in his breath hold. But I guess I just didn't know he was going to be nude. That was the big (laughs) surprise for me. Because when I'm diving safety for people, I'm all over them. I have to like, you know, they don't have fins on. They don't have a mask. Right. When, When they call cut, I'm usually on them and swimming them to the surface as quickly as I can. Yes. So I just wasn't prepared for that. And I guess the first thought in my head is, why did they hire me? I'm a woman. Like, why would they bring me in? Because <laughs> you're but the then, best. No, well, <laughs> then the other male safety divers are like, well, he probably doesn't want a guy handling him either. <laughs> and I was just like, it was just an awkward moment for me because I've worked with nudity uh, with female actors before. And, and it's always been like, I really, really, really try and you, you just have to show respect for people that are doing that. That's got to be yes. so, so difficult yeah. to take your clothes off and do your work and in front of a whole bunch of people. And he was great about it. But, you know, I, I try and, like, if I'm working with a female stunt performer or actor that's nude, I'm often going to try and turn them to face me and kind of cover their body as I bring them up so that nobody in the tank or on camera can see anything. Like, just that's just, like, a natural thing I think a woman would do for another woman. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd never had to work with a man. I have worked with nude men since then, but he was my first. So right. I didn't really know how to do that because I wasn't going to turn him toward me and sort of bring him to my body. So that was, yes, that was a very big challenge for me. It was like straight arming him up from the bottom of the pool, which was 
very hard physically. <laughs> He's a big guy. And, um, yeah. You never but know anyway. what you're going to get, right? You never know what the day is going to hold. Yeah. But he was very, I mean, he was amazing. Really, really good, good in the water. And he was cool about it. So I just tried to be as respectful as possible. <laughs> yeah, of course. That's all you can do, right? So, yeah. so what are you up to now in film? I mean, a lot of, like, obviously Siren didn't get renewed, which was sad news late this summer, you know, mm-hmm. got the news mm-hmm. on that. Not, that was obviously a huge one for Vancouver and for, you know, for water sequences. Mm-hmm. Um, how are you kind of spending, you know, how's COVID been and stuff with all of, all of your training as well as film well, work? Yeah, we were in Sri Lanka running a, a, a free diving trip, uh, free diving with blue whales in March. Oh, blue when whales. It all, yeah, it was pretty cool. They're like massive, enormous. It was really neat. Um, but then, yeah, we got called home because of COVID. I mean, we were out in the middle of, you know, the ocean mm-hmm. every day, like 40 kilometers from land. So we weren't really aware. Like we knew that there was like talks about COVID before we left, but we didn't, we weren't really... Yeah, we just didn't know how bad it was. And then all of a sudden, like, Canada was like, we, we all got these warnings through the Canadian consulate mm-hmm. saying, it's time for you to come home now. So we had to cut that trip short. So we came home. And sort of uh, my work died. I think a lot of stuff. Yes. People, well, the whole film industry. Everything. Yeah. But, um, you know, as it started to pick up, it was very slow for us. I mean, I have to be really close to people when I'm safetying them. So I understand that. I just got... Um, my first day back, which I'll be working this week, and it sounds like there'll be more than one day. And then I've had a couple calls about other productions. So it's starting to pick up for me again. I just don't know exactly how it's going to go down. Um, I wear a mask in the water, like a, like a, you know, a face mask, mm-hmm. and, but I'm usually wearing a snorkel. So I, I don't know how it's going to be on set. I guess I'll find out. Do you ever do week. do you ever do commercials? Commercial work or is there not maybe much need for it with this? Yeah, I have done some commercial work. I'm not I don't think as well known in that world. Yeah, it is a different world. You're right, you know. It's a kind totally of like, different world, yeah. Yeah, there's commercial people that It's interesting that way, you know, like there's film feature people, mm-hmm. there's TV people, there's mm-hmm. commercial people, there's indie people and they don't necessarily cross, populate no. or pollinate, mm-hmm. you know. Um, which I find such an interesting thing in film. I have been called by some commercial people that I know as, you know, former students and friends and fellow divers. Yeah, I mean, I I definitely have done it here and there. It's just not really my world. My world has always been like TV and film, so... So in the meantime, I guess you're just doing all these amazing training sessions and lessons and everything with everybody. Tell me a bit about that. Like getting, you know, you're doing things from people that are like probably brand new and have never even really gone underwater, right? Yeah, well, I teach courses. So I teach freediving courses and freediving has really like boomed in the last decade, I'd say last two decades, maybe. Why do you think? Um, Instagram. Really? Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. I follow a bunch. I follow a few people on Instagram in Australia and Hawaii. And you're right. I would have never, the first part of freediving I would have thought was that film, The Big Blue. And like, yeah, right. And, and so, yeah. Back. And any, any traditional freediver, like back when I started before, like, you know, any traditional freediver knows that every word, every piece of dialogue in that movie. And, but a lot of modern people don't. But so you see a lot of like, Instagram, you know, bikinis and right. just below the surface and that. So it's really boomed from that. I right. Think. Um, oh, Instagram, hey? It's so interesting yeah. how Instagram has changed 
all kinds of things to do with society, even nature, you know, places yeah. people now have ruined because of Instagram. Yeah. Right? But, you know, I mean, it's been, it's, it's good. It's bad. I don't care why people want to get in the water. It doesn't matter if you just want to go down there and take a pretty picture of your bum. Right. It doesn't bother, <laughs> bother me if that's your thing. Yeah. Like, you know, fill your boots. Uh, I just want to make sure you do it safely and, and don't damage anything underwater and that's it. But um, yeah, since, since Instagram, it's really become more popular. Plus when we got back because of COVID, nobody was traveling right. in the summer. So we just were super busy with courses. We also train like, so I, I teach free diving. I also host competitions, both pool and depth competitions. I'm a judge. Um, I coach athletes. I'm the president of the Freediving Association in Canada. I'm on the disciplinary committee of the International Freediving Association. So I'm like, wow. I'm really involved in freediving. It's just like everything. So yeah, my life is kind of revolves around freediving. Open water swimming has always been a passion of mine and I've tried to teach some of it. I teach cold water safety for, for uh, film just mm-hmm. because... You know, preparing properly, heating properly, avoiding issues, um, and just training cold water for me and beating my distance and the amount of time I can sustain in colder and colder water is just a personal challenge that I really enjoy. So that's something I do for myself. And I tend to do my training. I think that when I first started teaching, I really immersed myself and surrounded myself with students and was really open about... um, doing everything with students and I kind of my own training got lost in there right yeah um so you're you know so at this point I think this is the first year where I'm like nope when I do the majority of my cold water training I'm doing it on my own so I don't have to like keep my eyes on anyone I don't have to you know I follow my procedure it's your own meditative time yeah so COVID opened up some space for me to actually finally do that this year so it's been really great getting back into just training for myself. It feels really good. And I'm hoping to do more of that with freediving too, moving forward. So, yeah. Oh, it's such a magical existence. Get back into training. What would would you like to tell people in Vancouver about our oceans? You know, I would love your thoughts. I mean, you've literally been in it for endless, endless amounts of time. Most of us have only ever, you know, taken a ferry and looked down and maybe want to see a whale or go do a little kayak. But I mean, going under that water, you know, on the coast where we are, it's just got to be a totally different experience and understanding. I would say you're surrounded by it. Like, it's really interesting because I find I've, you know, I've always loved hiking, but I find I don't hike as much because... I don't find the peace I'm looking for. It's just so busy right. around Vancouver um, that it's hard to find a hiking spot where you're not surrounded by people all the time. And I do like to say to people, well, the ocean, you can like yeah. go in and have a day where it's like literally half an hour from downtown Vancouver and you can feel like you've taken a ferry and been away. Right. You spend a day out in the water, especially in the winter when there's not that many people. I was at Whitecliff swimming with Braden actually uh, last week and we were the only car in the parking lot. There was wow. nobody on the beach. Not what a luxury, right? Person. Yeah. And you're out there doing your swim. We swam for an hour and it's like you come out and you feel like you've had a holiday. Yeah. Well, you get it's that just, fatigue when you've been in the water. It's like a nice fatigue. You know, you sort of yeah. get that, I don't know, it's like your body needed that, uh, that exposure. 
which I don't yeah. think we do a lot, all of us necessarily. We're very, live in very artificial landscapes, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we're not. And, and cold that. water exacerbates that so much. Right. Like swimming cold water is just phenomenal. The recovery is often called like a euphoric recovery. You just feel incredible. And when you're out there and it's the middle of winter and it's cold and it's raining or even snowing and you're swimming, you just feel like you could do anything. Yeah, probably endorphins too, right? Massive endorphins. But it's also just like a, 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 and I've tried to describe this to people and it may sound really hokey. You might have to cut this out. But I (laughs) I always say to people, there's such a freedom in it. Because when you're out there and you're just in a bathing suit and it's, you know, below 10 degrees, whatever that is, eight, six, four, and you're like swimming, you're just meat. Like there's, yeah. you're no, no better, no worse than anything in there. You're That's just right. something trying to survive. And there's such a freedom in that. You just let go of everything. It doesn't matter. Like, yeah. And I think we come to that, that I'm not taking this out because this is deep, but you also, yeah. you come to that piece. It's very primal. And I would say, you know, in society now, like we're, we're very removed from that. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why there's a fear of that deep water. I know there is for me, you know, of, of there's no borders down there, you know, and everything's mm-hmm. swimming around, whatever wants to come your way is going to come your way. And you're right. It's an equalizer. Mm-hmm. You don't have a big SUV that you're driving down the highway. You're just like skin on skin in there with the current. Yeah, right. It, yep. Yep. Absolutely. It doesn't matter what you look like, how old you are, whether you're fat or thin, like yeah. none of that matters. It's all gone. It's just like the feeling of cold water against your skin. It's exhilarating. It's just, I do it for selfish reasons. It just feels incredibly, incredibly good. Yeah. And free diving is like that too. When you're holding your breath, whatever your breath hold is, like you have to go into the breath hold. You can't, you can't fight. Unlike you can't like fight to hold your breath. It just doesn't work that way. You have to accept the discomfort. You have to allow it to run through your body and you have to just go into the breath hold. So it's very freeing in that way. Yeah. And the practice of letting go, right? I mean, so much of, you're probably right. Like so much of the training isn't helping you get your body to do what it already can do. It's your mind catching up. Yeah. I always tell people that sign up for a course, like after they've paid, I hate to break it to you, but you've just signed up for a crash course in meditation. Oh, Because right? it is like, it's you dealing with your own, you know, inner demons or your own voice saying that you can't do it or you're not good enough or whatever. That's what it is. Yeah. That's what it ultimately comes down to is just that. You're staring at the water and it's like, you're, you're hearing this voice saying this and you've got to like find this stillness. And go underneath that and say, no, I'm going to do this. It doesn't matter how long or how deep, but I am going to do this. And you do it. And then you come out and feel like a new person. It's incredible. It is incredible. And I mean, we have a mutual friend, Leslie, um, Mm -hmm. who's, you know, basically your disciple. She just loves (laughs) everything you do. And yeah, I mean, her her incredulous uh, journey as well of what she was capable of, you know, going Mm -hmm. You just, you, you look at the ocean differently when you drive by it. You're like, I've been in there. I've been down to my personal best, you know? Like, mm-hmm. what an unbelievable feeling to live on the coast and actually immerse yourself in it, you know? Yeah, I mean, she's been, she's been great with free diving and with cold water swimming and swimming in a bathing suit and doing all those things, you know? I mean, she's just embraced everything. And, you know, she takes a camera down and shoots sea lions. Like, she's, I know, she's I enjoy great. those. And everybody mm-hmm. should go and check out that Instagram, your Instagram account, Oceanoid. Is it Oceanoid? It's longer than that, right? Your, your yeah, handle? Yeah, I think it's, 
I think if you look up Oceanoid, I come up, but I think it's Oceanoid Freediving Vancouver or something like that. Oh, those it's beautiful, beautiful stuff on there. You're going to become one of those Instagram things, whether you like it or not, because people are going <laughs> to those and, and like zenning out to seeing all the sea lions and seals. And oh, it's amazing. I could go on there and just <laughs> meditate to your Instagram. I think a lot of people actually look at it and go, no, this isn't what I signed up for when I think of freediving. <laughs> they think of like blue water. And right. Like, you know, it's, it, they just don't think of it this way. It's, it's a different thing. And I, I always tell people that train here, like you learn here and you'll be able to dive anywhere in the world. Is anywhere. It, is it different? That's a good question. Like, is it different yeah. here because it's colder and, and like, is the salinity different? Mm-hmm. Can you feel it? You're probably such a pro. You can tell the difference just by being put into different bodies of water. Well, we have the Fraser River. So our salinity like is actually quite low compared to even if you go to Vancouver Island, you're going to notice it's a lot saltier there. Right. But that isn't really the issue because you can adapt to the salinity. I mean, I don't like super salty water. I find it, you know, just, it just bothers me. Mm-hmm. So I just don't like the taste of it. But um, what is challenging here is the cold. You have to wear a much thicker wetsuit and just in terms of a mental challenge. Yes. You know, the cold can be challenging that way. We wear socks, we wear gloves, we have, you know, in the tropics, people don't necessarily have to wear that or they wear really thin wetsuits. And the lack of visibility, that's the other one. We don't have tropical visibility. Right. So I actually say that you can look at it like a gift because it forces you to really go inward into your mind. A lot of times when I'm diving down a line, which mm-hmm. is how we dive to measure depth. I, I just close my eyes as I'm sinking because wow. it really is an internal journey. And as it gets, it gets black here, like at pretty shallow depths, um, like about, you know, 40, anywhere from 30 to 50, 60 meters, depending on the time of year, it can get pretty dark, like pitch black, where you can't even see your hand in front of your face. Wow. So, it, it really is, whereas in the tropics, even if you're very, very, very deep, light still penetrates. There just isn't as much stuff in the water there. I mean, yeah. we just have so many nutrients in the water here. That's, that's what affects the, um, the visibility. Right. There's just way more nutrients, whereas in a tropical reef system, it's all tied up and all those nutrients are tied up in living fishes. Yeah. So you have incredible visibility, but it's not as nutrient-rich. We have nutrient-rich waters, which attracts a lot of really big animals, which is really cool. Have but, you had any scary you know, the- moments with that? Have you had any scary moments? Um, you know, like not near misses, but scary moments that have maybe given you second thoughts. No, oh, I've never had a know. scary moment. Like I, we usually on our big birthdays, my husband and I will go like try and dive with something we wanted to. Like, so on my 40th, I dove with hammerheads. Um, wow. And Where'd you do that? Baja, we rented a sailboat and sailed ourselves with a bunch of other freediving friends. Like we just sailed around Baja for 10 days. Oh, and amazing. We, yeah, we just spearfished for our food and uh, it was awesome. Like just spearfish or, or, or fish off the back of the boat. And then um, on actually the eve of my birthday, we wanted to go in at dusk when we knew they'd be active. Mm-hmm. And we actually... Um, went out to a sea mount. So my husband and I were the only ones that got in just because it was pretty rough water. And we got to dive with these like amazing uh, hammerhead sharks that were just circling the sea mount. So it was pretty cool. Wow. Um, And then on my 50th, we went up to Churchill, Manitoba and dove with beluga whales. Oh, that's a a bucket list. 
yeah, Brayden came actually for that and, and our other friend Colleen. So it was, it was just amazing. And I'm already like trying to think of what, what next. But what next? I know. Yeah, I, I've dived with lots of different kinds of sharks. I've dived with like whales. I've dived with humpbacks here um, just because they happened to appear when we were diving. As they do, um, right? No borders. Yeah, <laughs> no borders. And in Mexico. I mean, we were in the water this year when a bunch of orcas swam by, although they ignored us completely and just kept swimming. Which is away. interesting. Usually they're so curious. Yeah, You're they were probably feeding. You were so mammal-esque, underwater mammal-esque, that they didn't even recognize you. Oh no, they know. They know what you are. They can tell if they can pick out a a, a a chinook in a school of sockeye, which is what they do. True. They can. They can. They know what you're made of. That's no, they, they they were a little ways off um, offshore, so they kind of ignored us and just get kept um, hunting. But yeah, no, I've never felt fear. In fact, I I usually swimming is when I would feel fear more because when you're swimming over deep water. Um, like I did a swim, which is this, it's called the Bay Challenge. So it's from West Van to Kids Point. So you're swimming over the, um, you're swimming over some deep water and you can get into your head when you're doing a long swim. Right. Where you're visioning, you know, the big jar, Jaws poster or whatever. Even yeah. Though we don't, we don't have great whites here, but you can get into your head. But when you're diving and you're actually seeing sharks, like you get a real sense from them. Right. About you know, what their intent is. And you can tell that you're just not, you're just not food for them. Yeah. And it's not, it's not a super malicious place, but I feel like we do that, you know, with, with sadly with film as well as, you know, we villainize a lot of that, right. When, and that leads to fear to, to all of our fears of, of water, you know, but if we feared it less, we'd probably take care of it better. (laughs) Well, and also just, and, and this goes back to um, Sea Legacy, Paul Nicklin and Christina Mittermeier and their team, which is like, put a mask on and look what's underwater. And as soon as you do that, you start to care. Because there's just so many cool creatures here. We have so many neat creatures and we have like interactive seals that are just so curious and um, really beautiful fish. And it's just, it's just really neat. It's really beautiful. It's a beautiful spot. It's one of the last wild spaces on our planet. Yeah, right. Because you know what? It isn't getting touristed to death the way the tropics are. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's not the first thing you think of when you want to go underwater is here, you mm-hmm. know? And I hope mm-hmm. it keeps that preservation a bit more. Well, thank you mm-hmm. so much for your time. I mean, this is, I could ask a million more questions, but, you know, whether Thank you. It ended up kind of devolving, not really film, but thank you very much. It was well, nice talking with you. You know what is, it's interesting because you're not a film person. You're a water person, right? You're working mm-hmm. in film, mm-hmm. but that's very clear when you talk to someone whose love has brought them into film that, mm-hmm. you know, you light up about the water, but the film is just how you execute the water. You know what I mean? Which is a great yeah. way to look at film because often it's, that's not the way people get to film. You know, they get yeah. there because they want to be in film and, and yours is not. It, you meandered there because of water, yeah. right? And so <laughs> yeah. I, can, I can feel that when we switch from film to water where, where your passions are, obviously, right? Like, yeah, absolutely, yeah. You can hear it. Um, and it's funny because when I looked on your website, you know, doing my homework and stuff, and you're in there with your red toque, and I just laughed because I was like, she looks like, did you ever see Life Aquatic with Steve Zizou? Oh, yeah. I've, I've been called Zizou a lot of times with that red toque. I was I like, change no, don't change it. It's amazing. I was like, is she, did she do this on purpose? Because this is epic. Oh, I Roberta, did. don't change it. It's so good. And you know what? It will, will, like, you're Roberta Zizou, honestly. Like, yeah. It's amazing. 
don't change it. It's so beautiful and it's such a nice allegory. So um, thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you very much. I really do appreciate it and, and, you know, enjoy whatever comes with the next kind of realm of film here and getting into really cold water time, right? Yeah, no, I'm I'm stoked. I'm lo- I'm really looking forward to the temperature dropping even more. So, yay! That makes one of us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Thanks, Roberta. Thank you, Colby. Take care. If you want to learn more about my podcast, you can go to vantropolispodcast.com or you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can also leave me a review on iTunes, subscribe, or share it with someone you love or don't love. Just share it. <laughs>